What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 82. So I guess you could call this our Logan Thomas episode. Um, and to give you a timestamp, as I do for all episodes, guys, today is Tuesday, May 23rd, and it's about 7 p.m., and I've just touched down. I've just touched down base from coming from um, OTA practice day one. So, yes, your boy was boots on the ground. Your boy was boots on the ground in Ashburn today at whatever they're calling that new facility, Inova Sports Park, Commanders Park, whatever they call it. I was there today giving you full-fledged content. So before I get further into this episode, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to like, be sure to comment, be sure to subscribe. As you see, we're pushing out more and more content. Um, We're making a lot of waves um, over there in the Washington Commander content community and things like that. So if you want to be tapped in for everything Washington Commander, if you want the raw, unfiltered, and you know the realest analysis on the team, be sure to be subscribed to the Bleeding BNG podcast. Be sure to be subscribed to the Bleeding BNG podcast. That's all that I can say. But let's get back into these OTAs, man. Like I said, your boy was boots on the ground, live in action, there in 3D. Um, to see everything going on for the Washington Commanders today. Today was the first um, their first um, voluntary OTA practice. Uh, and it was um, a few select season ticket holders, myself included, that was um, invited out to the practice. Um, and, you know, uh, they were, we were shown a good time. Um, but I want you guys to know. I want you guys to know. Uh, since last year, I've been getting berated because, you know, we're there for the content. We're there for our Washington Commanders fans. We're there for the Washington Commanders community. And I, I, I want you guys to know that I go through hell and high water to get you guys this type of content. I go through hell and high water to get you guys um, this type of content. And I appreciate when we do things like break social media today. Um, our Instagram has over a thousand notifications from today. Our Twitter, I gained over 300 Twitter followers today. And I really appreciate all of you guys because I really go through hell and high water. This is the second year in a row they done pulled up your boy during practice telling me that I need to delete videos. Ha! <laughs> Ask me if I did. Ask me if I did. No, I didn't. Because I'm all about giving the content and letting you guys see it. Um, letting you guys that might not be able to experience from home and things like that. I want to bring um, anything from the Washington Commanders to your foresight. Um, and that's my goal when I give you guys this content um, from, you know, training camp and OTAs and things like that. I'm going to try to be boots on the ground at other sessions and th- um, other sessions that go down. Um, throughout training camp, throughout the rest of voluntary mini camp and the mandatory mini camp. Um, so I'll try to give you as much content as we can. But let's get into today. Let's get into today and the news that I broke that caused quite the controversy. I had guys on local media state uh, radio stations taking shots at me and things like that, saying that fans don't need to be at, at mandatory mini camp. Like, come on, JP Finley. Like, what's up, man? I thought you was my dog. You clamped on the radio before that that you talked to me a couple of times. So you know exactly who I am, man. You know exactly who I am. So I don't know why. Why I got the shots that I got today. But Bleeding BNG, we broke the news that Chase Young wasn't at um, uh, Voluntary LTAs. We broke the news that Chase Young wasn't there. And as I've been mentioning all day, I can see if I posted some content. um, But... I wasn't, I wasn't like VIP or anything. There were a lot of people there today. And anybody with two eyes can see that was in attendance today can see that Chase Young wasn't there. So I didn't think that I was reporting anything uh, that was really super special. But to get to the matter at hand, um, I wasn't necessarily surprised that Chase wasn't there. 
Um, Chase has seemed to be a guy that goes to the beat of his own drum. And as I mentioned before, I don't think that Chase is fully invested in being a Washington commander. While I do think he loves football, while I do think he loves the game, I'm not sure that he's been the biggest fan of playing at home, playing with the Washington Commanders. And, you know, everything that's gone around, gone down with his career, you know, starting out as the defensive rookie of the year and then having that ACL injury and, you know, spending a lot of time at home where it's a lot of leeches in your hometown and things like that. But, you know, I feel like at this point, you know, Coach Ron Rivera said that they wanted him to be here. He said that last year, and then, you know, they declined his option and things like that. Chase could be using this as a contract ta tactic, just like Terry McLaurin did in his um, last year and things like that. But I don't think so. I think that Chase is just the guy that rather get his work done outside of Redskins Park or Commanders Park, excuse me. I just think that he's a guy that doesn't really trust the training staff here, doesn't really trust the um, you know strength and conditioning group here, and I'm not really sure why because I know we graded out as one of the highest strength and conditioning units, um, coaching units, um, per the athletic article that came out, I think, towards the end of the season maybe, or might have been in the offseason. Um, but Chase is a guy, you know, he went working with, in Colorado with Vaughn Miller last year, and, you know, there were rumors that he 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 – worsened his ACL injury going out there and things like that. You know, Chase is a guy, he's going to be here for the last two years. He's been here for that day one photo op. You know, he gets the pictures and the jerseys and things like that to make it look good, to make it look like he's invested. But then, you know, he's nowhere to be found. Um, kind of like his play in the last two seasons. Um, that's not fair. Kind of like his play in the 2021 season. Um, he was just nowhere to be found until the last three games last year. Um, but moving on, man, uh, to some more positive things. I really want to touch base on QB1, Sam Howe, because Sam Howe looked good. And I want to start um, a lot of this analysis with guys. It is OTA, so take this with a grain of salt. Um, these guys aren't in pads. These guys aren't hitting. A lot of these things are done on air. A lot of these things are done, um, you know, in, in individuals, not necessarily in a team setting. Um, but a mandatory minicamp, a voluntary minicamp is where, you know, it starts, the team starts to really work on getting better. So they're really putting emphasis on getting better, um, focusing on, you know, getting that train rolling and moving into September and things like that. So anything that I say about my analysis today, don't read too much into it, but I just want to give you, you know, the most raw, unfiltered, unadulterated analysis that we do over here at the Bleeding BNG podcast. Um, but Sam Howell looked good today. Sam Howell looked good today for as good as you can look at a voluntary minicamp. And like I said, take it with a grain of salt. But, guys, I've seen Carson Wentz look bad at voluntary minicamps. And God rest his soul, I've seen Dwayne Haskins struggle to throw passes on air as well. Sam Howell didn't have any of those troubles. You see the quick release is evident. The strong arm is evident. And if you guys want to see, be sure to tap into my social media pages. You know, we shout those out towards the end of the episode. But I got a lot of content on my Twitter and my Instagram. A lot of um, Sam Howell content as well. Um, there's one individual drill where they were working with the wide receivers where they had to roll out and make an across-the-body field. And it was that drill where I was like, whoa, Sam, Sam Howell's arm strength just jumps out at you. Um, there's other quarterbacks on the roster like Jacoby Brissett, who has a fairly strong arm himself, um, and then two other uh, undrafted free agent quarterbacks and things like that. Um, and Sam, who might be the shortest of the entire bunch, undrafted free agents included, I think that he clearly had the biggest arm of the uh, group. He clearly got that ball across the field the most effortless. Um, and the quick, like I said, the quick release was strong, and the guys got a cannon. 
And it seems it's shocking to see coming out of that six six foot frame, and you know he's really stout, so he looks a lot shorter than his listed height. But when that ball leaves his hand, like it whistles, it whistles. Sam how has a howler for an arm. I can definitely say that. Now, does that translate into good quarterback play? We never know. Jamarcus Russell had one of the strongest arms in NFL history, and we all know how that turned out. But I mean, that's a plus side to have. And after watching years of noodle arm as Taylor Heineke. Um, it was a pleasant sight to see um, coming from Sam Howe. Um, he looked confident. He was taking command of the huddle. Um, I picked up later in the in the in the session that when they're changing personnel, they have a lot of um, animal names for when they're changing personnel. But every every animal name that was up, Sam Howe was up, ready, present, um, and ready to go. You know, relaying that um, play call in the huddle, and you know, looking every bit as confident as a QB one should in voluntary mini camps. Um, uh, speaking of the divvying up of the repetitions and things like that, I would say that Sam had about 80% of the reps with the QB1s. Um, he wasn't working exclusively with the ones. Only, oh, he wasn't the only one working exclusively with the ones. Jacoby Brissett would have a couple of reps, um, but those were only two quarterbacks um, that uh, really worked with the ones today. As I mentioned, the other two um, are undrafted free agents, and I need to get more familiar with their names and things like that so um, I can really talk to them. Um, but those guys were more so working with the twos and threes, as well as Jacoby working with the twos as well. Um, so the quarterbacks look good today. Um, at one point in the session, they had Sam and Jacoby working with the receivers and the undrafted guys working with the tight ends. Um, so you can really see, like, you can really compare Jacoby and Sam's drop back step by step and things like that. And it, let me tell you this. It looks a lot better than Carson Wentz. <laughs> I told you, I watched Carson Wentz in voluntary minicap. Now, I don't know how this is going to translate, but it looks a lot better than what I saw from Carson Wentz last year. I can tell you that for sure. I can tell you that for sure. And I saw a lot of good things out of Sam Howell today. B-Rob, Brian Robinson, that explosiveness is back. Now, let me tell you, going into last offseason when I had an opportunity to go to a couple of voluntary minicamps then, um, I was kind of skeptical of B-Rob. Not that I hated the draft pick or anything like that. But, you know, I was kind of skeptical of his speed. He didn't seem to be the fastest at Alabama. Um, he seemed to run through a lot of wide open holes, which wasn't necessarily his fault. It's just, you know, what came with playing at Alabama and playing in the SEC with that dominant offensive line. So I was kind of skeptical um, of B-Rob's game. But all that skepticism, if you guys can remember, went away after the first practice that I saw, that I saw of Brian Robinson. I think it was vol voluntary minicamp last year. And like I told you guys, take this with a grain of salt, but I told you guys last year that Brian Robinson was going to end up being our RB1, our running back one. And that happened. And that happened because it was evident at the voluntary mini camp last year in 2022 that he was the best back on the roster. He was a lot more explosive than I saw on tape. He was a lot more shifty and he displayed some elite vision. Um, that I didn't necessarily um, see on tape as well. And then the unfortunate incident happened where, you know, he took two bullets to the knee. Uh, ultimately coming back um, after missing the first four games of the season. And he had a pretty productive season. Brian Robinson had a pretty productive season. But I never saw the pre-shooting explosiveness that I saw throughout the summer. Like, I was there with my eyes. Boots on the ground. We do this. We the boots on the ground crew over here at Bleeding BNG. We've been here for the last three years. We've been here for the last three years. 
And that is why you should give us a follow, a subscribe, or whatever, because we're giving us, we're giving, we're giving you everything that we got over here for the Washington Commanders community. But getting back to B Rob, um, I, when when he came back um, into the regular season, I didn't think that he necessarily showed that explosiveness that I saw from him throughout the summer. I think he was plodding a little bit, especially in the open field. He's always going to be a tough runner, so he was turning those two yard gains into four yard gains. But you never really saw that big run. Um, I think he might have had a big run against the Bears, maybe, and then another one against the Packers, if I recall, where um, we, he had ended up fumbling, uh, and it ended up being rude not a fumble. Um, those are the few explosive runs that I remember him having last year. But it, it looks like this year that he has some of that pre-shooting explosiveness back. B-Rob was gliding today. And he's not a little back. He's close to 6'2". So once he hits a full head of steam, and he has like kind of an upright upright posture when he hits the open field um he was he was he was glad today looking at every bit of that four four five forty that he ran at the combat he caught passes out of the backfield today he seemed like more of a natural hand catcher than i ever gave him credit for um coming into the um year because if, even if you look at the touchdown that he had against the um falcons last year when he ran the dude over he pretty much caught that ball all hands too in the rain so he showed the capability of being a natural hands catcher and just like i mentioned with um sam howell showing a lot of confidence you cannot tell brian robinson he's not the best running back on his team i think he knows that and he seems super locked in. He seems like he's back to that Alabama mentality. I'm not saying that he lost it. But, you know, you, you look back on it when you have such a traumatic injury like getting shot. And you reflect. And you're just thankful for being there at that point. But now he's past that. He's super locked in. I got his autograph today. He wasn't really saying many words. I was trying to make conversation, but it wasn't like he was rude. It was just like, man, I'm super locked in, dog. Like, I'm just ready to get this work in. I told him he looked good today. He was like, yeah. As good as I, hey, as, as good as I can be, right? Like, he... He was he wasn't with none of that. He wasn't with none of that, and I love it. I love it. The dude seems super locked in, and he seemed poised for a breakout sophomore season for sure. Um, let's stick with the running backs though. Um, a guy that can many consider the still of the draft. Um, after the draft that we drafted in the sixth round, Chris Rodriguez, the running back out of Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez had a rough day. And let me tell you, this is how I know we got the eye over here at Bleeding B&G. We pointed it out during the warm-ups. During the warm-ups. Because let me tell you, when I heard the um, the press conference or the press conference skirmish or the interview that Chris Rodriguez had following the rookie minicamp, my antennas were raised, my red flags were alarmed when he kept mentioning how this was more work than he's done since the NFL season. It was almost like he was alluding to like not being in shape. And he did it a plethora of times. He did it over and over again. Almost like he was being honest with himself, but also like being too honest with the media. And that raised my antenna. So that was something that I wanted to see today. And guys, like no shade to Chris Rodriguez. I know he's going through a lot. Um, he lost his mother during the draft process after the season and things like that. But Chris Rodriguez is not in football shape right now. He's not. He's not. He he looked like a guy that was that was moving sluggish during the warm-up lines. Um, the quarterbacks right um, in Indies, the quarterbacks and the running backs got into like um, like a handoff drill where they were calling different handoffs, running into different holes. He was the slowest one out of the undrafted free agent guys, Jonathan Williams, Jared Patterson, everybody that was out there. He was clearly the slowest back working on those handoffs. And at that point, nobody had really said anything to him. But I was telling a lot of the fans that were there with me today, I was like, man, Chris Rodriguez is slow. They're like, Jalen, you're tripping, you're tripping. I'm like, look, look, look. And little did we know, little did we know, and I got video of this 
um, on my Twitter as well. Um, they had an agility drill where they were working on footwork where, um, you know, they were having quick feet, two feet over the um, hurdles um, with the ball in their hands. Um, and every running back did really well up until it got to Chris Rodriguez. He stumbled over the hurdles. He was moving really slow. And at that point, I saw Eric Bieniemy like overseeing the group, and he was ho he was holding back. He was holding back. He really wasn't trying to get too hard on him because I think that he knows. I think that he sees that Chris Rodriguez. I mean, that's his job to see. If I can see it, I know Eric Bieniemy sees it. I think that he sees that Chris Rodriguez isn't in um, you know the best playing shape, and he might know more about you know Chris Rodriguez's personal situation right now. And he was like, ah, you can tell he wanted to say something then, but he didn't. But he didn't. But later in the practice, when Chris Rodriguez was moving very sluggishly through through the um, team period, Eric Bieniemy got in his shit. Eric Bieniemy got in his shit really bad. Um, he was like, "Hey, Chris, pick that shit up and move faster. Wake your ass up." Verbatim. Now I'm sorry for anybody that's um, hearing deficient. My bad. Um, but I was trying to give you just the most accurate, <laughs> accurate depiction as possible because Eric Bieniemy was pissed um, with Chris Rodriguez throughout the course of this practice, and rightfully so. Um, Chris Rodriguez struggled. Um, like I said, um, he was listed at 217 pounds throughout the draft process, and I'm not sure if this is official. And I don't know how this went over my head last season or slip. I mean, last week and slipped through the cracks. But rumor has it, and I saw in a, what seemed to be an official roster sheet say that Chris Rodriguez weighed in the rookie minicamp last week at 244 pounds. So that would be, what, a 27-pound increase of what he was listed at throughout his years at Kentucky and throughout the draft process. So that seems to kind of validate some of what I saw throughout the day. Chris Rodriguez had a very rough day. But keeping on with Eric Bieniemy, man, his energy is infectious. His energy is infectious. When he yelled at Chris Rodriguez, when I mentioned the entire the entire conglomerate that was over on the sidelines, just laughed. They loved it. They loved it. And then um, he he got on Jahan. It was more constructive criticism, but he um, they were running post routes on Indies, and I never saw this from Scott Turner last year. He was just watching, overseeing, and just looking to look. But he really made um, it was a, a stern co coaching point uh, that Jahan didn't um, stem off his post route too flat. Uh, I think he wanted him to um, take it uh, at a sharper angle at about 18 yards. And he told him, um, he mentioned it. He was like, I'm not going to argue with you in the game. I'm not going to argue with you in the game if you feel that you have a defender on your back and you feel like you need to flatten that out. But while we're right here in practice, I'm going to need you to sharpen that out at 18. Um, those were his words verbatim. Like I told you, we were boots on the ground, man. We were boots on the ground to give you guys all this um all this amazing content and all this amazing coverage of your favorite football team, the Washington Commanders. Um, but his energy is infectious. You can tell he's, he, man, uh, you might as well take that associate uh, off his off his title. From what I saw today, Eric Bianini operated that practice like he was the head coach. Now, I know he's just naturally a lot louder than Coach Rivera and things like that. But just... Talking to the offense, talking to the defense, having command of the entire team, um, you know, harping on mistakes, having guys redo it when they make mistakes, having guys do it until they got it perfect. That was Eric Bieniemy. That was all Eric Bieniemy, and that seems to be the job of a head coach. Um, but you know, Eric Bieniemy took over that round today. But speaking on Jahan Dotson, he's noticeably bigger. He's noticeably bigger. Um, I, I was, I was. Um, I hesitated on calling him thick 
in my Twitter post because it sounded a little nasty while I was typing it. But Jahan Dotson has gotten a lot thicker. His lower half um, is a lot stout. Um, he's ha- he's getting a lot of that NFL um, weight and that NFL body on him. Um, and I think that Jahan's poised for a big year. Um, the theme of today's OTA was a lot of the offensive players showed a lot of confidence. Um, just as I mentioned about B-Rock, um, just as I mentioned about Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson has seemed to make it clear, like, guys, I'm wide receiver too. He's following behind Terry McLaurin in every drills. He's before Curtis Samuel in every drills. He's running the routes just as good as Terry McLaurin, and he seems to be poised for a breakout year. So if I can get breakout years out of Brian Robinson and Jahan Dotson, we might be in for something special, no matter no matter the quarterback play, no matter no matter how skeptical I am of the quarterback play. No matter. No matter. If I can get breakout years, if Jahan has a breakout year, that means that we had sufficient enough quarterback play. Along with a breakout year from B-Rob, Eric Bieniemy might be here only for a year because he's getting what has been mostly a morbid offense all my life to, to new heights in just a year. Hopefully, you know, the head coach of the Washington Commanders. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Um, let's move over to the defense. Um, it's kind of hard um, to, you know, Look over at the defense because they're always practicing on the far side of the field. So it's kind of hard to get the content because even when you walk over there, they're kind of practicing behind like um, the equipment uh, shit, the equipment sled um, and things like that. There's a lot of stuff in the way and things like that. So I didn't get a lot of film on the defense. But when they moved over to um, team, what I noticed, um, they did 707 first and then they did team second. What I noticed is that Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller were your starting cornerback tandem with Quan Nickel as your starting, uh, Quan Martin, excuse me, as your starting nickel. Uh, and then they had Emmanuel Forbes rotated in and out with mainly Kendall Fuller. So it seems like St. Juice might have that CB1 position locked up and he looks noticeably, noticeably bigger. Um, I even asked him um, after practice during the autograph session. I was like, St. Juice, have you put on some weight? And he seemed offended by that question. I, I think, you know, he's a little Canadian. He's trying to keep that Italian-Canadian chic, you know, trying to trying to stay. He's like, no, bro, I'm, I'm the same weight. But he looks he looks like he put on at least a little bit of muscle mass. Um, and one thing that I saw interesting, even though he seemed to be manning down that CB1 boundary corner, later in the team session, he slid inside while Emmanuel Forbes and Kendall Fuller were on the outside. Um, so that might be a potential look when you get a, um, going against some of these elite tight ends when you need a guy of Benjamin St. Juice's 6'3 frame to go against guys like a Travis Kelsey or the more dynamic you know, receiving options coming out of the tight end position. We face a lot of good tight ends this year. Um, so having a guy like uh, Benjamin St. Juice present that you know, positional versatility and that position flex like Coach Ron Rivera loves um, is, is a beautiful sight to see. Um, not really much more to go over with the defense um, to report on the attendance. So everybody's all Jalen, all, all bleeding B&G. You want to harp on Chase Young not being there, but he wasn't the only one there. And I reported on those two. Um, it was reported that Chase Young, Charles Leno, and Montez Sweat didn't report to camp today. And that's somewhat accurate. I didn't see Chase at all. I didn't see Charles Leno at all. And I also did not see Andrew Norrell there. Andrew Norrell did not report to camp today. He was not there. He was not on the field. But I didn't see anybody mention it. Now, guys, I did see Montez Sweat here today. So Montez Sweat has at least reported in Ashburn. Montez Sweat did the stretching um, during the stretching line. And then I'm assuming he walked back inside. He didn't do any of the practicing for the team. Um, he didn't do any of the individual drills. He didn't do any of the team drills. 
Um, I'm, I'm assuming he went back inside because I didn't see him after I saw him initially because we were both walking from the practice facility, walking down into the um, field. So I saw Montez Sweat with my own eyes. So I can tell you for a fact, Montez Sweat was there. Montez Sweat was there. He just didn't participate in the practices. I lie a guy like, um, I lie a tactic like Deron Payne used last year. So he's kind of looking at, you know, what some of his OGs and some of his vets did. And maybe, you know, maybe maybe that big payday can rub off on him. But, you know, Deron Payne did produce comes this season. So whether it be Chase Young with his contract tactics or Montez Sweat with his contract tactics, one of those guys need to perform to their capabilities and their abilities um, and that's really going to move us to that elite level of defense. Um, a couple of few note of um, a couple of few things that I noticed before we get out of here. The starting O line with Charles Leno absent was Cornelius Lucas at your left tackle, Sadiq Charles at your left guard, Nick Gates at your starting center, Sam Cosby at your starting guard, and Andrew Wiley at your starting right tackle. And I think that that right side is pretty much solidified. I think that's what we're going to see. Cosme at guard, Wiley at tackle come September. Um, Nick Gates is going to get your first reps as the veteran at center, but I can easily see Ricky Stromberg kind of, you know, taking reps from him towards, you know, towards the end of training camp, towards the end of the offseason, working into the season. So I'm hesitant to say that Nick Gates is going to be your number one center going into the 2023 season, but they did pay him a nice chunk of money for a center, and he was getting these center reps today. Sadiq Charles at left guard. That's something I was a little skeptical about. I'm in the big. I'm a, if we're gonna keep these guys that we have on our roster, I'm big in the Chris Paul camp because I think he has some special athletic capabilities uh, that you just can't teach. Uh, so I was kind of disappointed to see that Sadiq was starting him, starting over him um, during the team session um, with Cornelius Lucas bookending that offensive line. Um, but take that with a grain of salt. Like I said, um, it can be a whole different unit come September. You know, we can get. Ricky Stromberg at center and Chris Paul at left guard, depending on how these training camp battles shake out. And last but not least, man, um, our secondary looks really good. Our secondary looks really good. Our safeties are flying around. I think that they have um, the potential to hold a claim as the best safety duo in the NFL. Derek Forrest looks like he seems to be building on a strong second year going into year three. Um, Cam Curl was there despite his own contract. Um, negotiations going on and things like that. Being Cam Curl, playing in a box, playing in a slot, showing a lot of his positional versatility. And Emmanuel Forbes, man, while Terry did put a heck of a move on him in 7-on-7, seven seven, and it wasn't a completed pass. Everybody seems to be running with that tweet. It wasn't a completed pass. Um, the quarterback didn't even look Terry's way. Terry just put a hell of a move on him where he was faking like a dig route and then bounced it back outside. And, you know, Manny Forbes, this is a guy with 14 picks. He's the type of guy that likes to jump routes. So he did... Um, um, he did, uh, Terry did catch Emmanuel Forbes on that play, but in the same play, um, the quarterback ended up checking it down. Brian Robinson made a catch, and Emmanuel Forbes knocked the ball out of his hand. So he's still showing uh, capabilities of being a ball magnet and a turnover machine, even in plays where he gets beat. Um, but that'll do it, man. Like I said, we came to you live from uh, OTA's day one. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to try to get there as, out there as much as possible to give you guys as much content as possible. But as always, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe. If you're checking us out on audio-only platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify more specifically, please leave a rating, please leave a review. 
um, just a one sentence review, just a, a five star rating if you love this pod, so we can finesse these algorithms so that we can give bleeding BNG, bleeding BNG to be the number one thing that pops up in your search bar whenever you search anything to Washington Commanders. And as always, be sure to check out our social media pages. I have endless content from today's OTA session. Um, on my Twitter and my Instagram as well. So be sure to check those out. My Twitter is at BleedingBNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. And then my Instagram handle is at BleedingBLG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. And you can see that in the overlay somewhere down here. Um, So yeah, be sure to check us out, man. And be sure to be looking for the content um, coming out for the offseason. We're going to have a lot more boots on the ground. We're going to have a lot more unfiltered raw analysis for you. Um, and this was just the start. Football season is here, and we're back over here at Bleeding BNG. So be sure to check in on our next episode, and I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.